0: Hi there, welcome to Valley Talks. Today we have a special episode with Ryan Baird, associate at a venture capital firm called GWC Innovator Fund and a startup manager at G-Startup Worldwide, a global competition where they select winners in over 10 countries and invest $1 million per year in them. Me and Ryan are going to talk about some most fascinating and I would say juiciest part of startup life, pitching to investors. Ryan, it's such a pleasure to have you here today. Thanks so much for coming.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Ryan, so you're working in a venture capital firm and also you're running this global competition. And I can imagine you're hearing or reading or listening to startup pitches every day. How many of those do you review per month or per year?
1: We review a lot of startups for sure. We're we're constantly trying to find uh, really good early stage startups uh, that have raised less than $2 million, but have definitely raised some capital. Uh, a lot mm-hmm. of the startups we're looking at are post-accelerator, and they're really, really ready to raise their next A round. So our goal this year is to look at about 500 uh, startups per event, uh, which will be about 5,000 startups that will come through the GSTAR program this year. And then i probably talk to another 1,000 or so startups uh, that are either too far along and we can't necessarily help, or they're a little bit too early, and uh, we might be able to help them in the future.
0: Sounds like a lot.
1: It's a lot of work, but we got a really good team and we have a lot of processes in place so that we could uh, review all these startups. We also worked with over 156 VC firms last year that also help us evaluate these startups to really find the gems.
0: And so in what kind of startups? You told me that they are likely to be post accelerator, but they don't have to, do they? That's correct,
1: that's correct. Yeah, so we're really looking for innovative startups that have the ability to go global and change the world. Um, Our requirements, like I mentioned before, was that they've raised less than $2 million. Mm -hmm. They can be in any industry but gaming. And, um, you know, we really do look for some companies to at least have some good product-market fit. And again, ready to raise an institutional round. That's really kind of our sweet spot. If you look at the venture capital funding landscape, only 30% of companies that raise a seed round can go on and and raise an A round. A lot of it is because they don't have the right traction or uh-huh. they don't have the right network. So we're really trying to solve those problems for them mm. and give them an additional demo day. You know, Maybe they already got to demo at YC or 500 or one of these great accelerators and you know they need another de- a demo day so that they can go on and raise their A round. That's really the, the void that we're trying to fulfill.
0: Yeah, so you're not really a fan of thinking that if they raise seed money and they, you know, didn't either grow quickly or something else stopped them, so that they cannot raise a round. It doesn't mean that they are like, uh, you know, like pointless or clueless, right? Correct,
1: absolutely. Sometimes they might just need a few introductions to mm-hmm. various clients, and uh, because of our member network and our connections to really Silicon Valley, Beijing, and Bangalore, uh, we're usually able to make good introductions for them. And if they can get customers from our introductions or if they can get lead investors from our introductions, then it usually is a good signal to us that these companies still have a chance.
0: And how much does the GWC uh, Innovator Fund invest or in your in the G-Startup Worldwide competition? How much do you invest in That's that?
1: a great question. So in terms of investments, there's really two channels that we invest. It's, it's through G-Startup Worldwide where we deploy about a million dollars per year. And then the second channel is, is through our network. So for uh, g star Worldwide, we invest $50,000 into the first place winner each region. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the year, we fly all the first place winners from all of our regions to Silicon Valley. And we have a global championship where we invest an additional quarter of a million dollars. We're actually working with a lot of other VCs to have them co-invest alongside of us. So we're hoping that that investment amount uh, you know, continues to grow. So the different regions we're in this year will be uh, Tel Aviv, Mexico City, uh, Beijing, Tokyo, Jakarta, Sao Paulo, Silicon Valley, Seoul, and Hong Kong. The second way uh, we invest is that we are really trying to build up relationships with all these founders all around the world. Mm-hmm. And once any of them are ready to raise an institutional round, you know, we hope that they can they uh, view our value in, in their growth and allow us to invest.
0: Yes, yeah, so you're saying it's your network, but do you also review submissions that come just to your email because people can find you on LinkedIn you know or like through my show yeah how how does that work
1: yeah so we take all all of our applications are on fsuccess and people can go there and tell us which locations they're willing to uh, compete in Mm -hmm. and then um, we'll go through the list and and search for key things that we think would make these companies successful we're obviously looking at traction uh, the product the team and uh, the industry that they're in. Uh, We review all these applications. Uh, We'll we'll hand select the top 100. Mm -hmm. We'll then share this top 100 with over 20 different VC firms. And they'll have either an analyst, a principal, an associate, or a partner uh, review the application. Again, rank them on the same rankings that we rank Mm -hmm. them on. And uh, and then we'll get a a consensus on which startups the VC community believes mm-hmm. uh, have the strongest potential. So
0: it's like voting, pretty it much. Is,
1: it's very much democratic, correct.
0: Yeah, and it's so different than other VC funds, I must say.
1: Yeah, we, we really do obsess over quality. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, the people in our network understand that we really do want them to give us the most innovative co- companies that they've been seeing. And uh, I think our alumni, uh, having raised over 11.6 billion dollars since they've come through G-Startup, just speaks to the quality of the startups we're finding.
0: I know that also my viewers wonder how uh, VCs are often you know, doing their research, because of course they can have their own ideas or trends and so forth, but how, how do you re- usually do that? Do you talk to some other experts? Do you do this online? How does that happen?
1: That's a great question. So because our parent company puts on very uh, exclusive tech events for you know, uh, Fortune 100 companies, or uh, tech leaders, um, startups that have raised institutional capital, whether it's A, B, or C, um, we really reach out to them and ask them, you know, what young companies are they working with Mm -hmm. that they think have a lot of potential? Mm -hmm. So our network is hands down um, the number one way that we source deals. We reach out to all the VCs in our network, all the entrepreneurs in our network, and uh, really try to find uh, quality startups that way. Another thing we do is we use a, a data service called Mattermark. And we review any company that's raised less than two million dollars, but over hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and we'll we'll see which companies are actually able to successfully raise capital. We'll research them, evaluate their potential, and if we really like them, we'll we'll personally reach out to them and try to have them apply. And then the last thing that we do is uh, we look at all the top tier accelerating programs mm-hmm. uh, all around the world, and uh, mm-hmm. we've partnered with the the managing directors of these of these organizations. And we have them always give uh-huh. us kind of their top five startups that they think would do well in the competition.
0: So within the competition, you um, you of course select them. They go through different stages, and you select the winners. Do you also do any mentorship? Um, do you offer that at all, or is it more about just exposure?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. We we actually offer a lot of mentorship uh, for startups that come through our program. Um, we have partnered with uh, Google Launchpad. Uh, globally, so all the startups that get accepted into our program get mentorship from Google. Mm-hmm. At the end of the year when we fly all the first place winners to Silicon Valley, Google also puts them through a multi-day accelerating program where they have mentors that are specifically there to help them with the problems that they're, they're challenging or they're facing with their startup. And uh, we're also you know, working with, with companies like IBM who will come in and mentor our startups Again, we've partnered with over 150 different VC firms all around the world that will coach our startups on how to pitch to specific investors, open up their networks, and make introductions when it's appropriate. And then lastly, uh, we work with a lot of professional storytellers, uh, PR firms, Uh marketing firms, and uh, startup ecosystem builders to really help startups kind of fix big problems that they're facing.
0: You mentioned that team is one of the key factors in selecting the the startup, the company. Are you able to kind of um, have any idea of the team based on just the paper submissions and how do you review that? And also when you meet people, uh, what are your criteria in terms of the team?
1: That's a great question. It's (laughs) something that's always evolving for sure.
0: And that's um, something that startups often don't know at the very beginning. Yeah. They just partner with their friends, you know, high school, um, you know, colleagues and so forth. And I always hear that they need to have the complementary skills. That's number. Mm-hmm. That's one of those things. Mm-hmm. And they don't pay attention to that. And then it's harder for them to raise money, no? Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's absolutely true. I mean, uh, we definitely are looking uh, for entrepreneurs that have had previous exits before or mm-hmm. had some kind of startup success before. Well, um, that they,
0: everyone would like. That's
1: everyone would like. But... <laughs> (laughs) But, you know, it's also, I think it speaks volumes when someone has tried multiple companies and maybe they failed, but they're learning a lot from those failures. Mm -hmm. And if they're starting another company that's in that space, you know, maybe they have some expertise and they've learned from the past. uh, So we definitely look at that. Um, Another thing we look at is, you know, have they gone through top accelerating programs, Mm -hmm. top universities, Um, you know, who has given, who has recommended these startups to us? Uh, Usually if they have... Uh, Friends in high places, that always is a a signal that they're at least networking with the right people. Okay. And then I think lastly, you know, uh, we see a lot of pitches and we see a lot of applications. When someone has creativity and they make maybe a certain video or a special deck.
0: I know something about that. Yeah, you do. (laughs)
1: Uh, If we see something that's really, really unique and and really stands out, um, that's usually people that we want to be working with. Uh, we like to, to, to find entrepreneurs that are thinking in different ways than other people and really finding opportunities that they can exploit.
0: You also mentioned about top universities. Yeah. That tends to get controversial too, Absolutely. a little bit. Absolutely. And this is something that I am super curious about because I went through a great university, but in Warsaw, Poland, this is not you know, something that America may know about. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, also I know many other founders that are from outside of U.S. So, how does that really matter? Yeah. What What's your view on that?
1: I'm I'm a big believer that uh, the next unicorns are going to come from emerging markets. So mm-hmm. we, you know, really pride ourselves in going into these markets, learning about the top universities that mm-hmm. are specific to these emerging markets. Mm-hmm. So that we're really trying to find talent that, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a like Stanford or an MIT or a Tsinghua. It could be a top university in a local region. So, so again, okay. we, we talk to you know, startup ecosystem builders ask them where are the top engineers coming from, where are the top founders coming from, Mm -hmm. and usually there's a program that's supporting these individuals so that they can, you know, meet networks that Mm -hmm. allow them to expand their business. That
0: makes sense. And now I want to talk about the fun part, actually the pitch, right? And so what does the pitch need to have? You don't have to go into super many details, but something that is crucial for you. And also, can you tell me about some very typical mistakes that startup founders make?
1: Sure. So I think um, there's a lot of great resources online about what VCs are looking for when it when it comes to pitching.
0: Which is true. Um, Which is the most true.
1: So what I think is the most true from a lot of people's examples is I like to see what a team has done, um, financial projections, and. You know, all these things that you're going to do in the future are less relevant to me. Mm -hmm. I really want to know what you've accomplished. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, maybe tell us where you're going to be in 12 to 18 months so we can see whether or not that's realistic or not. Mm -hmm. If you just show a hockey stick graph, I think that those days are long behind us. Yeah. And, you know, most pitches probably can come in around 12 slides. And if you're wasting a slide and time in your pitch to talk about things that are completely unrealistic, I don't think it really makes a lot of sense. So I think that's probably one of the biggest mistakes. Mm -hmm. Um, Another mistake I see founders make uh, all the time is that they only think they're pitching for money. And Uh even though you're talking to someone who can give you money, they're evaluating you uh, and they're evaluating your pitch, not just on your business, but you as an individual. Do you have the passion and the grit to see this company to an exit? Mm -hmm. Because if you don't have... If you don't have the the passion and grit to, you know, really get back up after a hard day, you're not going to be able to see this company to, through to exit.
0: Yeah, but what if someone is not the best at just public speaking?
1: Then you got to have a really awesome company. Because here's the reason <laughs> okay. why. VCs are looking for people that are charismatic, that can uh, convince people to uh, mm-hmm. follow their ideas. So whether that's uh, pitching for capital, obviously, whether that's talking to the press and... and You know, telling them about the excitement that's going on in your Mm -hmm. company to get them excited so that they actually want to write about you. It's so that when you're pitching to key hires, typically at companies that are, you know, hundreds of times bigger than you, you got to convince a key hire to leave that company, probably get paid less, and get equity in your company. That takes a a certain type of skill set. You got to really be able to sell the vision to a key executive like that. And then lastly, it's, you know, can this per- person pitch his company and if they need to pivot in the future, mm-hmm. which most of these companies do change direction, can this leader effectively do that? And that is really why people are so obsessed with pitches, because they want to see how they perform when they're actually publicly speaking.
0: You mentioned that mastering the pitch is also important to be able to do it Let's say to press, right, yeah. or to your hires. Yeah, uh, do you also advise on how to pitch press or how to approach press? And uh, what are some mistakes that you know that startups do? Yeah, uh, how do you navigate that?
1: Yeah, that's a great. That's a great question. It's something I get all the time. Uh-huh. I really do feel that press is uh, very much relationship based. Um, okay. Unless you're a Google or an Apple, right? If you're Google or Apple, they're writing about you because you, any Anytime you do anything, they're going to write about you, right? Because you're yeah, so like, big. Yeah, like change
0: the color of a button. They would. Exactly.
1: <laughs> but when you're super small and you're grinding away at your business, you don't have time to meet with the press, take them out, yeah. pitch them ideas all the time. I really do think that startups would be better off by hiring a PR agency when they've reached certain milestones mm-hmm. and when they have certain thought leadership that they can share with the rest of the industry. And then you have a PR firm that has all these connections. It's tier one firms, and hopefully they can pitch them and get them to write about you.
0: And still speaking about pitching, uh, do you remember any fun stories or anything that hilarious that happened, or something that you know maybe you wouldn't show right away <laughs> uh, when you're meeting with the founders, but something that does happen? Something
1: yeah, like? I mean we we've done this uh, all over the world, and mm-hmm. we've had a lot of crazy things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the most memorable things. Was when we went to uh, Tel Aviv. You know, whenever we have a winner um, come on stage, they, they're given uh, you know, a really big check.
0: Yeah, I saw the photos of that. Yeah, <laughs> so that looks funny. You know, we,
1: we tell the startups beforehand that the winners are going to get big checks and that we got to pose for pictures uh, because there's a lot of press there. And, uh, you know, Tel Aviv was actually the first stop we went to last year. And I sent them our check design, I was super excited. I told them I wanted it 22 by 44, and I just assumed that they knew that we wanted a big check and that it would be in inches. Uh And so I get there, I'm talking to the startups, I'm bragging to them about how beautiful the check (laughs) looks. And we get there and we're about to give out the awards and they finally bring me the checks and they're 22 by 44 centimeters.
0: Centimeters, okay.
1: (laughs) So we had mini checks and... And that's a, an was, event, a
0: live event, it right? It was a live
1: event. There was nothing we can do about it at the time. I mean, it was still bigger than your normal check, but it was <laughs> very embarrassing that they uh, they didn't get the big
0: checks. <laughs> Somehow I didn't see photos from that on your website. Yeah, we tried
1: to hide those ones. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so funny. So yeah, you do those events worldwide, and you meet all those startups from those different countries. Do you see any difference? Uh, between, you know, how startups are pitching, but maybe also starting or growing their business in general in certain countries versus America?
1: Absolutely. And this is why I'm so excited about really investing in emerging markets Mm -hmm. is Silicon Valley's done a great job solving problems for Silicon Valley, but they have no idea what's going on in a lot of these emerging markets unless they've actually traveled there.
0: And it's a little different world.
1: It's completely different. (laughs) I mean, Uh, You know, when you're in South America, there's a lot more ag tech plays um, and, and, you know, various marketplaces. When you're in uh, India, there's a lot more things that are helping kind of lower middle class people find jobs and work Mm -hmm. and and really kind of navigate their lives. Um, And in China, there's a lot of companies that are very specific just to China, kind of like how Silicon Valley has a lot of companies that are very specific only to Silicon Valley. Um, So it's really interesting to go around the world and see the different entrepreneurs and see them tackle very specific problems to their, their region.
0: And one of my viewers also asked these questions because sometimes I just make it open before mm-hmm. the interview to, yeah. to submit some questions and this time it's very interesting because the question is why Silicon Valley investors often limit themselves to Silicon Valley mm-hmm. and they uh, they want the startups to be in Silicon Valley also. And well, you guys are different, yeah. right? You go out. You right. not only like passively also sub- uh, accept submissions, but you actually go to those countries. Yeah. Um, so what's your point of view on that? Are those other investors really limiting themselves or is this that they are actually making their chances higher and more efficiently working on that?
1: Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah, so I think uh, it all goes back to the network. Silicon Valley investors typically... Um, have worked in product, or have, have written about Silicon Valley for over a decade, or have been founders of companies and, and had successful M&A exits. So they've been in, and they typically have been in Silicon Valley for 20 plus years. Mm-hmm. So when they're looking for investments, they're reaching out to their network, which is hyper-local, and they're getting those types of referrals, and you know, maybe they've dabbled outside of Silicon Valley and got burned because mm-hmm. their networks aren't as strong out there, they don't understand the local markets, and they don't have the network to really help these companies succeed. So that's why they focus on Silicon Valley, and I think it's a perfectly valid approach. For us, we're actually our headquarters are actually based in Beijing. Our, our uh, AI and, and robotics co-working space is here in Silicon Valley along with our venture capital fund. Um, and we do business in you know, 10 plus countries every single year. So our networks are really all around the globe, predominantly in Asia, India, and, and Silicon Valley. So that's why we focus on those areas, because that's where our network is the strongest.
0: Okay, so G-Startup Worldwide is in 10 countries right now. That's correct. And are there any new countries that you are planning to launch in the near future?
1: Yeah, we're absolutely looking for partners uh, in top ecosystems that are growing around the world. Poland, Uh, maybe? Maybe Poland, if we can find the right partners. Uh, I wouldn't mind going there. We're we're definitely looking into Dubai right now, along with Dublin and Nigeria. Mm we added Mexico City and Hong Kong this year, so that's pretty exciting. But we're always looking for strong partners, uh, so if there's anyone out there in the audience that that wants to partner up, please please get a hold of me. Uh, you can get my contact information on our website. It's g-startup.com, and uh, you can also apply to any of our, our events there, and you can learn more about our program.
0: Thank you, Ryan. It's been such a pleasure to have you here. Great, today thank on the show. you. Thanks.